Welcome to episode 136 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined again this week by Ryan Topp, Paul Noonan, and Brad Ford. Without a whole lot of uh, baseball news to talk about, we decided we'd do something kind of in the theme of the NFL draft. We're going to do our own little Brewers fantasy draft here in a minute. But first, we are sponsored this week again by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know their classic beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. Go grab a six-pack on your next run of the grocery store. And you can also get a deal on Carbon 4 merch online using our promo code MKETailgate at Carbon4.com. It's Carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. You can also help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Our ball and glove and above patrons get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and Brad. You also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods throughout the Packers off season. And I have a feeling Paul's going to have a lot of thoughts on the Packers draft this year. That will be worth the price of admission alone. So you'll want to sign up and, and make sure you get all of those draft recap podcasts. A reminder, patrons also get question priority here on the program when we take our listener questions and you get a personal shout out on the pod when you become a patron. And as always, you can help people find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's tailgate on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Well, with the NFL draft this past weekend, we decided we wanted to do our own little kind of draft. Uh, Ryan kind of came up with this idea. So, Ryan, how about you explain what we're going to be doing today? So the basic idea here is we're going to do a Brewers all-time fantasy draft. So you are taking players, basically, and it's not just for offensive value. It's, you know, it's all around value to the player. But it'll work like a fantasy draft. We are going to do all the standard positions plus DH. And we decided to keep it a little bit shorter to do a just three pitchers. We're going to do a starting pitcher, a relief pitcher, and then just a pitcher. So that can be flexible depending on which way you want to go with that. And any player who played a game for the Brewers is eligible for this draft, but you are only drafting them for what they did on the Brewers. You could look at this either from a rate perspective or from a total accumulation of value perspective, right? So you could look at a guy who had a lot of you know cumulative war over like a 12-year career with the Brewers, or you could look at a guy who was very, very good in a short period and kind of make the case for that being your guy too. But we are just looking at what they did with the Brewers. So like Hank Aaron's not going to appear in this because his time with the Brewers, he just, you know, he, he was at the very end of, you know, a fantastic career. So that well, you don't think he's going to appear on here. <laughs> so we're picking catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, third base. And we are doing specific outfielders. So guy needs to have played a substantial amount of time in each position. I don't think this is going to be that hard to work around. So uh, left field, center field. And right field, we are going to draft the DH because the Brewers did spend more than half of their uh, history as a franchise in the American League. So we're going to do that. And then the three pitchers. We all good? Any questions? Uh, how about you uh, go through the draft order, Ryan? Yep. So everybody knows which order we're going. So we just did the draft order, and Paul ended up with the number one pick. Uh, I have the number two pick. James has the three, and Brad has the four. And we decided just to to keep it moving and to keep it a little bit more interesting. We were going to snake. All right, I think we're all good. So with that, we can go to Roger Goodell's basement, and Paul has the first pick here. Thanks for making me do a draft after that debacle. By the way, really appreciate it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm um, looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that. Anyway, yeah. I think it's just going to be um, screaming, right? Paul's just going to yell for like an hour and a half. That's probably about right. It's it's so bad, but fortunately I, I can do a better job than the Packers. Um, of course, that's true of pretty much everybody. But um, I, I will, with the first pick, take Robin Yount at shortstop. 
He is probably the greatest player in franchise history. Um, you get great positional value there. If you play him at short, he was not a whiz at defense there by any stretch, but he was certainly good enough. Um, has, I think, the best uh, single offensive season uh, or war season of any Brewer ever. And, uh, you know, multi-time MVP. Hard to argue with that one. So, you know, it's my shortstop. Um, good luck, everybody else. I like it. Positional scarcity is definitely an issue for the Brewers at shortstop, so <laughs> it, it, it's to argue with that. In the middle <laughs> infield in general. Yeah, yeah well, doing the research for this, this was this was rough. So there are some <laughs> there are some weak positions that are going to need to be worked out. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to take the player who has had uh, really like the second and third best seasons in franchise history, and that's going to be Christian Yelich. Actually, I'm, and. I would argue that Christian Yelich offensively has had historic baseball seasons that supplant Robin Yount's performance. I get in different environments, in different, obviously we have the juiced ball situation. And I'm going to take Yelich. Uh, I, I really, he's played both positions for the Brewers. He's been a primary left fielder and right fielder. I'm going to take him in right field. Okay, good call. Hard to argue with Yelly. No arguments there. Absolutely. Uh, with the third pick, then I will say hashtag Ryan Braun forever. I'll take Braun third overall. It, are you doing in left or right? In or third left. base. <laughs> or third base. Our, our error is one of our fantasy. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, his season at third base. No, we laugh about that, but I mean, he, he should be eligible for third base, right? He played. He played. A, yeah. A, 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 I mean, a honestly, season? he Two should. I, yeah, yeah, he would be eligible, but we did say that it's not just like yeah. defensive value does kind of play a role here, too. Okay. So we're Fair not enough. just yeah. trying to so, stick guys yeah. into the offensive position. To be clear, I will take Braun for left field. So that will go on my roster as left. The field. traditional Braun position. I like it. The traditional Braun. Yep. All right, Brad, that puts you down to you. So uh, I have to go with the Brewers holder of the second best season for war. Uh, and a completely undervalued asset in franchise history at Jonathan Lucroy, a catcher. Uh, you know, defensive whiz like who uh, was Whoa. coming up in a time when we started to appreciate catching defense a little bit more. When you look at F4, he accumulated a ton of it, especially in 2013 and 2014, just because of his framing value. And he was also well above average offensive catcher. So I'm I'm going to go with that because of the value he gives defensively and offensively. Yeah, short peak, but I was actually going to take him with my next pick, too. So you weren't too far ahead here, but he is a guy that is so far ahead of the next in terms of uh, Fangraphs career war. The next catcher on there, he has thirty five point three career Fangraphs war and the next uh, catcher on the list is scrolling scrolling well i yeah i Don't, shouldn't yeah, no, i shouldn't let, give it away let's avoid some i shouldn't give it away here, but, but there's a huge huge gap between him and the next guys so yep hard to argue with the clear number one at a position in brewers history probably yeah, right all right round two paul what you got uh i, I mean i guess i'll take paul molitor and have jan molitor together um wow yeah hard to argue um, we'll we'll play Paulie over at third until he gets hurt, and uh, so we'll, good side of the infield is taken care of. Um, Molitor, I think, is second all time in position player war for the Brewers. Uh, Sixty eight by B ref. Um, he's uh, you know one of the best hitters ever. Maintained his good play for a long time, uh, even though he was kind of frail. It, it actually went like my favorite player growing up. I 
um, I always had number four when I had a chance. And then then Favre came along and I got to do it for another decade. So anyway, um, I've my infield is looking quite good at this point. So uh, on to the next. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time to break the seal on the uh, the pitching side of the equation here. And I'm going to take Ben Sheets, who I think pitch for pitch is the best pitcher in Brewers history. Uh, maybe didn't have as long a peak as you would have necessarily liked, but he did sacrifice for the team. And like he gave everything he had for that 2008 run. And there really wasn't anything left after that. He shredded that body to do that. So uh, I'm going to take Ben Sheets and hope that I get 2004 Ben Sheets and not, you know, 2002 Ben Sheets. Good deal. Good deal. Okay. It, it, it's hard to argue with Sheets as the number one starter, I think. It's definitely at the top of my list, too. For my second pick, you know, we mentioned the positional scarcity up the middle. So it may be a bit of a reach, but for lack of better options slash being afraid of being stuck with something less later. I'm going to go Ricky Weeks at second. Ooh, I hate you for that. <laughs> I, had one of you taken Molitor earlier, I would have done that with my second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Andy Schaff will be happy with that. But uh-huh. uh, it, looking at the history of uh, second baseman in Milwaukee, you know, I think you could argue shorter peak, obviously, but uh, some of the others, you know, who might outpace him in terms of war or what have you, you know, just had higher or longer careers. But uh, in terms of just offensive value here, it's hard to pass up. And he's one of my all-time favorites too. So, you know, I'll gladly take him on my team any day. Uh, Well, so mad. I thought he was going to make it around to the next one too. (laughs) Actually, I had plans to attack middle infield pretty early too, after uh, shoring up catcher middle infield, uh, you know, really focus on the quality of that. And unfortunately, it's basically gone now. So why not go for the mashiest masher in Brewers history and put Prince at first base? Because he has won the highest WRCs in team history at 141. Uh, For a power first baseman, he only had an 18.5K percent while walking a ton at 134 uh, and I, I just like fun. And Prince Fielder is sure as hell fun. I have a lot of, I th- think there's a pretty big offensive gap after Prince in terms of the players left. Yeah, I actually, Absolutely. I think there's another first baseman in the ballpark here. So um, yes, disagree with that a little bit. Um, <laughs> there, there is, and uh, it, it's close. And I thought about going with the value, but I figured once Prince was gone, the other first really baseman's going to go. Yeah. So is that a is that a foreshadow of your next pick, Paul? Is that where, you, where we're going here? <laughs> uh, we'll see. Maybe because it's you're on the clock. You you're are. Oh, am I up next? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm up. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Do we want to? I'm so mad. Weeks is gone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. So um, I'll take Cecil Cooper, um, and I'll pop him at first base. He's great. He is very underrated. I would say. I feel like people don't talk Definitely. about him enough on the classic team, but by be real. By BRF, he's fourth in positional war um, and was really like the big, like to use old school terms, like run producer of the early 80s teams. So uh, after after Prince, I think he's no question the, the next best option there. Um, consistently got MVP votes, um, you know, just just an all around great player for like for the team for like a decade. Nothing bad to say about him. Infield is awesome now. Of course, it is kind of the infield that they had. <laughs> it is. You've got basically. <laughs> it's like well, it's got not the 82 a fan of the infield. Uh, I have the 82 Brewers so far. 
but not, hard to complain with that though. I, I yep. believe I, I could be wrong, but I think Coop actually has one more career home run than Prince Fielder. Granted, over you know four or five more seasons. Yeah. No, uh, Fielder had two thirty. Coop had two. Oh, did he? Okay. I will not be selecting Jim Gatner. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> he actually ended up higher on the list than I thought. He's but. actually not. Uh, he, I, he's not like out of the question for second base. He's actually very, very high in career war. I just don't like him. So, <laughs> right. There's there is that thing. Yeah. And it's not even that I like I don't hate him personally. It's just like the the narrative around him and the fact that they've like shadow retired that number yeah. without yeah. like it actually being retired is I don't know. It, it rubs me the wrong way, but it's annoying. I agree. Yeah. So I really need a uh, a good up the middle player at this point. And I'm going to have to go with uh, Gorman Thomas, Gorman Thomas in center field. Ooh. Yeah, it's it is kind of a, a, an offensive profile. He defensively, it's it's hard to go back and and know all these things. I in the seventies when he was playing, you know, the majority of his games, he was a better defender in center field. I think by the time you get to nineteen eighty two, I don't know if people realize this. Gorman Thomas was the first draft pick of the Seattle Pilots back in nineteen sixty nine. So, you know, like he was already a fairly advanced you know age player by nineteen eighty two. So he, when he was younger, he was a, a, you know, a better defender. It's hard to get good defensive numbers on that point, but he was a absolutely stellar power hitter in an era when the Brewers had a lot of them, but it wasn't a big thing in baseball generally. And I think he got overlooked. He gets overlooked historically somewhat by the fact that uh, Yount and Molitor were more towards the beginnings of their careers at the that point in 82 and kind of had the long run out at that point so maybe people our age and younger will remember them a little bit more but gorman thomas really was a fantastic player for quite a while for the Milwaukee brewers good pick and i think center field where is another position that i think we're gonna maybe struggle with a little bit so good to actually get i'm really happy gorman with the center fielders i have on the board and i'm happy that one of mine wasn't selected <laughs> all right i i did had to do a little have, bit more digging i have center field up yeah. next to you so i bet i get swiped here i'm kind of struggling with this one uh so i might just kind of fall in line with the run on center fielders just to kind of screw paul over sorry <laughs> <laughs> and uh this will be more maybe personal affection but also just trying to steal that stolen base category i'll go with carlos gomez again short peak but when he peaked there. it was huge it was that it was, was a the, big peak yeah that so was the one so i think i think ideally MVP caliber campaigns exactly i think ideally you know i would take him for those last couple of years there where he was a legitimate you know 30 30 threat so Especially in 2013, he was hands down the best center fielder in baseball, or at least in the National yeah. League that year. And it wasn't close. Yep. Yeah. And and the lone bright spot on some pretty painful teams to watch. So uh, I'll always hold Carlos Gomez dearly. And, you know, he ended up chasing, changing baseball history with <laughs> the trade that wasn't and the trade that was to Houston and all of that. So, um, you know, you, you get that peak offensive value there plus the the defensive coverage in center field if we're gonna consider defense like we said we were so i will go with gogo for my third round pick well i think we're dealing with the talent drop off right now in offense where we start to get to uh the low b slash c tier and i feel like it's pretty well stacked in there for the areas that i still have needs for so instead i'm gonna go to the mound 
And I'm going to take the half-season legend, CC Sabathia. Uh, Ooh, he was an obvious like Cy Young, deserved it uh, for what he did to carry the team with a, I think, sub-2 ERA. Just was so incredibly dominant through that run. When you look at the innings he was able to put up in that short time period and really put the team on his back when they just kind of stopped playing to the level that they had been playing for the rest of the season in the middle of August and September. He was the reason that that team made the playoffs in the end. It just in that last streak. I mean, obviously there was a lot that carried them to it between uh, Prince and Braun with uh, Ben Sheets setting the team up really well in the beginning of the year, but then having that horrible injury, they had two legitimate aces what was for a month probably the best pitching staff the brewers have ever had just because of those two i think you could argue i think you could argue for another deeper rotation that they have but in terms of just frontline power they were so dominant and cc was the best pitcher in the nl in in those short few months he had like five war in half a season which is absurd yeah, I, I wrote down and I had uh, I wrote down an ERA plus note for that. And I I'm questioning whether I wrote down the right number. Because <laughs> it's just so absurd. Yeah, I have 255 ERA plus. Yeah, it's like that. reliever numbers. It's insane. He was 155 percent better than anybody. Yeah, yeah he had a four point. He had a four point seven F war uh, in only 130 games. And numbers that come above him, like you're looking at like Jim Colburn in 1973, throwing 314 innings. What to really? Get to 5.1. I was trying to figure out what I thought of him for this. And I looked at uh, career FIP and I did it by a uh, minimum of 50 innings pitched. And there was only one player who had a lower career FIP than him with the Brewers with a minimum of 50 innings pitched and I could give you all day to guess it and you never would. So I'll just tell you it was Zach Duke. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was the only one. Amazing. I forgot he was even a brewer. Yeah. He was really good for a, a brief period there. Yeah. A year and a half or so. Yeah. And I think the funny thing about it too, is like sheets was so great that year, but he only had 0.1 more F four in nearly 70 more innings that season. Right. And I'll always be thankful for the sacrifice like Sheets made to his health and body to because to try to force them into the campaign. An already unhealthy guy at the peak of his game literally uh, gave his arm for the that playoff spot. Yeah, yeah yep. absolutely. Round four. All right, um, <laughs> so I, I do think uh, I do think I need a, a positional uh, clarification on somebody. And I'll just throw it out there and I'll say I'm not going to take him because it's no fun if I do. But does Don Money count as a second baseman? I, was, I think was, in the same way that we would definitely count Ryan Braun as a third baseman. Okay. Don Money <laughs> counts as a second baseman. That's fine. Like I, I'm not going to take him. I just wanted to get that out there when it comes around. He 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 only had about it's a sec, it's a position he played the second most, but um, not a ton. So he's listed as a second baseman, third baseman, and shortstop on B ref. It seemed like it might be kind of cheating, but I I didn't want to just go all the 82 route anyway. So um, I'm I'm going to go to the mound because I need some starting pitching, and I'm going to actually take Teddy Higuera, who I think is probably the most underrated pitcher in Brewer history and very, very much in line with their guys who are great for a, a small amount of time and get hurt all the time <laughs> um, tradition. Mm-hmm. So he was absolutely dominant for quite a long time. He has the best changeup I've ever seen a pitcher throw just a knee breaker consistently. And um, I, uh, I, there's a, I think a bit of a drop off after Teddy at the starters too. So I'm, uh, I'm going that route. Definitely. 
yeah, yeah it, it, that 87 year uh was yeah. phenomenal uh one of the last few years where pitchers are still allowed to just throw as many innings as the team will let them yeah he the second highest war course. in a single yeah. season for yeah. a pitcher. I mean, if Teddy Higuero was in another era, he might have been, you know, handled a little bit differently. There's that gap where guys who debuted was there between 1971 and 1986 when like Maddox and Johnson and all those guys came along. There was no there was like one Hall of Famer who debuted in that time, one Hall of Fame starter because pitchers were just getting so overworked. And it wasn't until the early 80s that teams finally made the switch to a five man rotation instead of a four man. And mm-hmm. we're starting to back off guys because pitching was just getting harder and harder and harder over that time and harder and harder physically for the guys. And it was just breaking down bodies. So, yeah, it's one of those things where even now, like as we continue to perfect human motion and physics, we are. That's why part of the reason that people are able to throw 100 miles per hour on a regular basis now compared to it being this astounding feat that we is must see television. Yeah. So. It's it, it was that same thing there where we're advancing bodies, but we're not adjusting to take care of them. And now we're a little bit better at noting things that we should be doing for their health preventively rather than re- as a reaction. And in the late 80s, it was definitely a reaction to what what are we doing? Why are Juan Nieves and Teddy Higuera falling apart? All they did was throw 300 innings in a season. Right. When they're like 25. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a good pick. Yeah, I I would have taken Teddy with my next one, Paul. So you you got me back for uh, Ricky. That's good. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> Glad to hear. It. All right. Well, I I'm think, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go with the aforementioned Don Money here, and I'm gonna put him in at third base. I I could also use a second baseman, but I'm gonna uh, fall in the sword the same way Paul did for that one. So uh, Don Money is really kind of the first big player that the Brewers brought in that was already sort of an established star. And he came over to Milwaukee in 1973 and was really one of their best players throughout the 1970s and was a key contributor to those breakouts. Well, that, that first breakout in 1978, when the Brewers uh, came out, he was, he was a critically important player to that team. And he's also uh, number six all time on the Brewers offensive war list. So Getting that in the fourth round, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, honestly, I totally forgot about him, but don't let that harshen your buzz. <laughs> All right. Uh, third round, or this is my fourth round pick. I'm already losing track. So uh, <laughs> this is why I'm bad at fantasy baseball, because uh, I have no semblance of like where I should go next. So I'm feeling some pitching, too. Uh, but I think, you know, my, my team so far has been very, very recent. So I'm going to forego a recent pick and actually go old school. I'll take Iron Mike Caldwell. Ooh, oh. bulk innings, baby. Bold. Yeah. Yeah. Innings yeah I'm going to win that innings, innings pitched uh, category. There. It's always but a good one. I think, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about some of those late 70s teams and he was legitimately, you know, I think he finished second in the Cy Young to Ron Guidry in like 78 or 79, one of those two years. I miss old Cy Young voting, especially because the Brewers got Cy Young people. Exactly. Yeah. So he threw a crap ton of innings, did not strike anybody out. So he pitched for the Brewers for what, like seven or eight years. His career strikeout total is barely over 500. So, you know, I'm not going to get era, man. different strikeouts. Era. Uh, so I'm going to have to make that up in my other pitching categories. But, you know, I, I dig the innings pitched. And it, it's, you know, one of, one of the first 
Cy Young contenders and, and frontline rotation guys. So uh, I'll go with Iron Mike. I need to get do my first dip into the retro hemisphere. And I'm going to fill left field with Ben Ogilvy, the Spider-Man. His AD season was so phenomenal. Uh, that 304, 362, 563 line with 41 homers. For such a skinny guy, you really didn't think he could mash. And I mean, most of the time, he had like four seasons where he really went wild with the homer swing. Uh, the problem with Ogilvy is it's peaks and valleys. So you have the 6.6 war season, but then you have a three war season, then you have a zero war season, then you have a negative season. So you really get peaks and valleys with him, but he is an all-around player uh, capable of putting up an MVP-like offensive year. So I feel very comfortable with him in my left field spot and a a decent defender for what left field is. I I dig Ben Ogilvy. That's a solid, solid pick. If I didn't go Braun early, I was actually kind of eyeing him up for my left field spot as well. So he was going to be my next pick. So I uh, I initially had Jeff Jenkins above him, but uh, Jenkins was more of okay spread out across time versus Ogilvy. You know that's like I, I said that offensive Ogilvy. peak. Yeah, fifth round. Yeah, this is where it gets a little bit tough for me. Um, let's see here. Um, and I, this is where this is where punting on the outfield comes back to haunt you a little bit. <laughs> I will go with, yeah, let's pull the trigger. I like. Um, I'll go with Jeremy Burnett's. And uh, yeah. right. nice. Um, uh, I uh, I loved watching him for you know the bad teams. He was one of the most valuable players on it. Not a great player, and you know tough to. He played in the Royd era heavily, so hard to put his numbers into context sometimes. But he was a, a good, competent masher for them when they had sort of the Jenkins, Burnett, Sexton trio that actually produced decently offensively. Uh, he has one of my favorite ever home run derby moments when he uh, he swore very out loud on ESPN and Chris Berman jumped in and said, I think he said it shifted on him. So um, <laughs> which was awesome. uh, did great in that home run derby, too. So um, and he had a really he was a, not a bad defensive player, really good arm out there. Um, not great, but and uh, I'm sticking him in right. I that's where he played primarily. So a uh, little weak out there. Bernie's not, you know, fantastic player, but well above average MLB career did very well for himself and a, a fan favorite in a dark time. Absolutely. Solid pick. I dig it. Ryan, you're up, man. I can't believe that I'm going to be the one to do this, but I am going to do this because he is really far ahead of the next best second baseman out there. Uh, I'm going to take Jim Gantner. <laughs> I, okay. If if you had told Go me I would it. end up with Jim Gantner, like that really surprises me. But uh, he was really good over a well, I shouldn't say really good. He was very solid over a very long career and provided a lot of defensive value to them at second base. Uh, so you're not going to get a ton of offense out of him. But he did have a few seasons where he was decent offensively. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. I'm going to take Jim Gantner. I'm just glad my hand won't be forced. So, <laughs> you know, my team is trending very heavily towards guys who had long, okay careers and not great peaks. And that's, you know, besides Yelich, besides Yelich and she, it's like it's trending that way. And yeah, okay. That's, that's not ideal, but I'll, I'll make it up on the back end. You're just building a long, like five to 10 year contention window. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, my next pick, I will, I think pull the trigger on another favorite of mine. It might be a little bit early, but again, considering the other options at this position, 
I I don't think so. I'll go Dave Nielsen at catcher. Wow. Gonna say screw it. Um, Interesting choice. But it's hard to beat some of those offensive numbers, um, especially when you consider some of the other options beyond Luke Croy. So uh, I I was gonna think outside the box a little bit later, but you know he's he's still hanging out there, and the temptation was too great. So I'll I'll go with the Thunder from down under. Yeah, not to not to rag on your pick, but he was uh, I think my fourth best catcher. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple ahead of him too. That's fine. That's fine. Maybe the best Aussie in the draft. So this might be a reach, but in terms of his uh, specifically offensive production and a relative unknown in his defense that looks really bad for the time being, I need to go with the guy who's most likely to be the Brewers' best offensive second baseman in history, and it's Keston Hira. Ooh, I was gonna okay. do, I was gonna go with Keston if it came to it. So I, I applaud your boldness. Yeah, it's just when you look at the level of players it at second behind Ricky, they aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're projecting uh, a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. So we're I mean, he already has the best season for WRC plus in yes, I mean that is something that gets extrapolated over a full season, but in eighty-four games he has a one thirty-nine, which ranks well above a guy I don't think either of you heard of the one person with a second base slot open left has is going to take in Felipe Lopez. Uh, <laughs> uh I love flip. Okay. So it's yeah. It's yeah, he has a low bar to clear when it comes to being the best second baseman in team history. And with five years left on his contract, maybe only four years playing based on how the current season's going. Um, <laughs> well, no, he has six seasons. So five years after this, it really wouldn't take much. All he has to do is be able to stick at the position more or less. And he'll be able to do it as long as he continues his uh, trajectory. The K's scare me a little bit, but man, Keston, the legend, I'm here for it. All right. I like it. A little bit of risk. I like it. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more entertaining than taking Jim Gatner. There's there's yeah. like five people that are huge Jim Gatner fans <laughs> that are just irate at us right now. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Gantner, Gantner was my fourth and uh, my third was kind of an obscure pick. And I want to see where Paul's the only one who has a second base spot to fill yet. Right. Yep, That's me. Um, don't know what I'm going to do yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking Vina, but not, I mean, certainly not yet. Um, <laughs> um, but we'll see. We'll see if we get there. Um, you go you for a one pick. season wonder. There is a one yeah. season wonder out there. I, yes. I, I have I have one of those too. I'm debating between, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but um, we're, not, we're not there yet. We need to fill out the outfield, and we're going to go to um, to Greg Vaughn for left. Yeah, um, Vaughn's Valley. I mean, he had an entire area named after him. He did. He was <laughs> probably the most popular player on the team for a couple seasons. Um, and one of the best, again, during a bad time period. But like a legitimate power guy, one of the few to hit 50 home runs um, before it became a, a huge thing people did all the time. I guess it was maybe contemporaneous with that. But uh, Vaughn was like a legitimately scary player who could have played for any team. 355 home runs, just tapered off a bit at the end there. Um so he's not like, you know, certainly not like a Hall of Fame level guy, but had a very nice peak for um, a good amount of time. Not a good defensive player. Um, <laughs> uh, co- contrasting with Bernitz's arm out and right, Vaughn had one of the worst arms I've seen. Um, Run me a Chris Davis a little bit. Not not quite to that extent, but it was bad. But a uh, couple six four seasons under his belt and a couple more plus threes. And I'm perfectly comfortable with him, you know, hitting in a, 
four or five, six spot on the lineup. So I'm, uh, I'm good with Greg. All right. So that leaves me to go back into the, uh, the dark days before the first good Brewers teams really and grab uh, boomer. So I'm going to take George Scott. He is the second ranked Brewers first baseman didn't give back or didn't provide nearly as much offensive value as Prince Fielder did in his career, but didn't give back nearly as much on defense. He was considerably better on that front and really throughout his uh, his run with the Brewers, which made up pretty much the the peak of his career in those uh, five seasons with the Brewers, 4.2, 6.1, 4.5, 3.7, 3.4. He was really good on a consistent basis and really like the the bright spot offensively him and money were sort of you know the the guys who made that offense as competent as it could be before they actually got good and got a lot deeper so uh yeah i'm going to go with uh george scott who also if i'm remembering this right he was traded uh for uh cooper right that's how the brewers ended up with cooper was they traded him back to the red sox and they got Cooper back in that deal. So they got not only the value of the peak of, of George Scott's career, but they also then got uh, Cecil Cooper out of it. <laughs> I, I'm starting to hate my team, which is a very <laughs> normal fantasy draft thing for me. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll probably finish last in this whole experiment, but uh, for my next pick, I will also go to that similar era and go six to Lescano in right field. I was wondering when that was going to happen. Yeah, so that that'll fill up my outfield of Braun Gomez and Liscano. So not a, not and, a bad group, but and he actually ranks a little bit ahead of Burnett's. Um, not in the power category, but in terms right. of you know seventeen point two career WAR in a very similar time frame. Burnett's had three thousand two hundred sixty nine plate appearances to Sixto's three thousand one hundred thirty two. So very similar. Yeah, and again, again, you know, we're talking probably short peaks and injuries kind of robbed him of what he could be further on in his career. But at that point, the Brewers had kind of traded him away anyway. So uh, if we're going just for, for Brewers peak value. Uh, yeah, I, the Brewers sold like high on him, so it doesn't hurt his value. Yeah, there you go. I, I like the okay. value of six though in this round. So I'll finish up my outfield with that pick. I guess <laughs> if I have to, I'll put Zach Ranky. I was going to get cranky too. Yeah. Not my favorites have been sniped twice. Darn it. <laughs> uh, I waited around too long for that one. I, it was between six and Grinky for this pick here. So. The shameful thing about Grinky going in that slot is I'm actually not going to let him pitch. I'm only going to let him give interviews. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're only going to let him hit. In bath, I assume. <laughs> He's a phony. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nobody no. likes Carpenter. And... <laughs> Uh, love uh, Grinky. I think with Sabathia and Grinky, I have two of the top three pitchers in Brewers history, and at least as starters. So I'm really happy with how my pitching is looking, and hopefully they don't need to rely too heavily on ground balls. <laughs> yeah, that got our king. It's fine. <laughs> I was going to say, Grinky gets a lot of hell for his time in, in Milwaukee. I guess maybe a little bit of a disappointment for some people. But, I mean, the, the strikeouts were there. He had dominant stuff that we hadn't seen since Sebastian. He was there you know. during a time when he was doing an experiment to pitch to FIP, where, which was a, a fun scientific experiment that Grinky did on himself, where he kind of determined that your FIP <laughs> is based on what you should throw and what you're capable of getting guys out with. And if you try to break it, it doesn't actually work that well. So yeah. um, that 
I like him for that too, even though he didn't make him as good as it otherwise should have. So. Uh, well, and the thing that I love, Granky though, that first season, 2011, you know, he misses all of April because hashtag basketball. Basketball. <laughs> oh boy. And, and his oh, May yeah. is Two-sport awful. Zach Granky, forget about that. His May is awful, but then the rest of the season is so great. Yeah. Uh, so really, I have two half-season wonders under my belt, but I'm happy with them. Oh, hard to complain with that strikeout yep. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Back to me, right? Yep. Yes. So I was actually kind of hoping somebody would force me into taking Mike Cameron, but I can't quite do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Lorenzo Kane, who's who's great. And he'll get stolen bases, is an awesome defensive center fielder, and a pretty good hitter for being out there. Um, obviously didn't really have his prime time with the Brewers, but had enough, I think had enough with them. Um, and is also a you know a homegrown guy for them that uh, he, he counts. Um, his war for them is not that impressive. He did most of his damage with the Royals in a stupid giant ballpark, but uh, he, he's a great player, a great guy. Uh, he makes the good highlight reel catches. Not a not a perfect hitter, but for a center fielder, he gives you plenty. So, and also covers for my kind of garbagey range guys in the corners. So also helpful there. That puts it on me, and I am going to be the one. I can't believe that this is me again. This draft, this is so typical of me because I'm doing all the things I went into the draft not wanting to do. So you're taking Raleigh, aren't you? Uh, I'm taking no, 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 no. I'm taking Josh Hader. <laughs> yeah, damn it. <laughs> so that was going to be my next pick too. Yeah, it. I think that there's really not an argument to be made that, like, on an inning per inning basis, that he has been the most dominant like pitcher in. Brewers history, I guess, like, I guess CC could be better on an inning per inning basis just for his career. But Hader has been so good and putting up strikeout numbers we've never seen before in MLB, period. And he is a very versatile weapon, obviously allows you to pitch him multiple innings and and all that. Yes, there's the home run issues, but you're getting just an absolutely incredible weapon in Josh Hader. So. I'm upset because I that was going to be my next pick, and now I'm scrambling. So thanks, Ryan. That's that's great. This <laughs> well, that makes happens. me feel good at least. I don't have I don't I don't build a queue in my mind, so then I'm just scrambling, and I do something stupid like take Dave Nielsen. So uh, <laughs> hey, you didn't take Jim Gantner. <laughs> Very true. Um, so I I went into the, into this round trying to to figure out what my next pitching spot would be was thinking Greinke he's gone hater he's gone so I think I'm just gonna try to fill the the second generic pitcher position with Giovanni Gallardo yeah I was also thinking that that's a good call in yeah. terms of what the organization has had I mean he's, <laughs> he's you fine. know it, it, yeah <laughs> he's fine on a league level but I think I would you say- can make an argument he's like a top five starting pitcher in in franchise yeah, history and i feel like usually you know you have guys that are like underrated or overrated or didn't quite live up to their billing or you know disappointed i feel like Giovanni gardo exactly lived up to his build billing to like he's a pretty properly rated it, yeah it's exactly what i would have rated him as a prospect he played exactly that well his issues were there consistently through his entire career and he was yeah. good at what he was good at through his entire career yeah, so you know, I had I had Mike Caldwell throwing 300 innings, so I've got to balance that out with Giovanni and his five inning starts over 120 pitches. So yet they still took the same amount of time. Exactly, exactly. All right, all right. I got to get some defense for my my pitchers, and I need CC really loved the ground ball. I need to get some up the middle defense. 
If, no. Hardy. Yes. I need JJ. I need JJ uh, at short. Knew it. Yeah. Because shortstop, there's. And I'm as high as a, at shortstop now. So. At shortstop, there's <laughs> as high as a franchise can get possibly at one player. And then there's a bunch of guys who you think would be like, oh, yeah, he played shortstop and no one else. <laughs> Hardy, obviously a gold glove caliber, never won at Milwaukee, but won it later in his career. A good defender, had a great peak offensively one season. Uh, hopefully he doesn't break his ankle all the time when he's uh, yeah, helping me out up the middle. But yeah, I I needed some defense there, and thankfully he can also provide a little pop to go with a pretty offensive heavy lineup right now. But uh, might balance out a little what Hero has to offer. Not greatest range, but does everything else fantastic. All right, I can't believe I'm getting this on pitching, but I'm taking Dan Plesac. Ah. This is this is a fantasy draft. Saves, saves are a stat, and Dan <laughs> Plesac has the most of them for the Brewers at 133. Um, Correct. Played there for quite a while. And by the way, was good in accumulating those saves. 3.21 ERA, uh, 123 ERA plus. Um, I I remember Plesak pitching. I remember still being nervous when he was pitching. He wasn't like hater dominant, but or at the time even like Eckersley dominant. But he was very, very, very good closer, very good relief pitcher, um, and was consistent for the club for a long time. Pitched forever, too. Like he lasted in the league just an absurdly long time. Um so I'm happy to get Plesak here and rack up some strikeouts and saves at the expense of all the rest of you. I mean, not much all to right. you're just right. gonna mic drop on us about yep. the, uh, the fantasy stats. Paul's running away with this league right now. Yeah, uh, we we've got the spreadsheet open and it's just embarrassing how much better his team is. We'll have to well, put this this list up uh, when we post this podcast episode because it's just it's absurd. Well, he cheats, so. <laughs> Yeah, the five minutes in the prep I did is really paying yeah. off. He walked numbers away. Numbers logic. No, the problem is he walked away. We had to, James and I had to guess these numbers first, and he came back with only two slots left, and they happen to be two of the best <laughs> slots. Yeah, our our scientific selection process here was pick a letter A through D. It's not the and worst. Brad and I everything. picked third and fourth, so <laughs> of course, all right. Yeah, we gave Ryan. And, I mean, obviously, Ryan was the one who made the system. He could not guess purely, but we set you guys up really well. Um, so not for a fourth word. round team, I'm really, really happy with my team. Uh, not that we're but, complaining, but <laughs> I'm just saying we got screwed. <laughs> we got screwed in this All completely right. arbitrary, unweighted process. <laughs> Brad, we'll, we'll make it up with the depth. It's okay. It's all right. Uh, Ryan, I believe you are up next. Yeah, so I'm going to have to make a slight change to my roster here. I'm going to move Yelich oh. over to left field. Come on. Oh, <laughs> what is this? No. You declared. You declared. Is... Well, because I think oh I think Corey Hart played a little. Did Corey Hart play some in left field? I mean, it's a tiny no, I amount. I think he was center right, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's he was left field replacement amount. when he was like 2005, right? <laughs> yeah. So All right. take Corey I, Hart. I don't care. I'm taking Corey Hart in right yeah, your, field. Your outfield's full anyway, James. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It He's doesn't gonna be matter. my DH. That's oh, fine. <laughs> not your first baseman? No. I gotta say I Corey oh, Hart was surprisingly solid at first play base. He, like <laughs> of anybody like post Prince, yeah, he was probably the most competent being, there. Being tall helps a lot. Yeah, yeah right. he's fine. I mean, he had such a short run there, but really, in if you look at the young 
Corey Hart, when he came up and was really looking, he looked like he was potentially in that group with Braun, Prince, and like Weeks as being a guy that could be, you know, every bit as good as them for a brief period there because he had the speed. He had the speed was really underrated with Hart when he came up. I think because he yep. was tall, but he was a good base dealer and very fast. Yeah. One of the fastest guys on the team. He yeah, was really fast. He was a good develop- defender at first, and then it really then, fell off. And a then cliff his power fast. developed into a thirty home run guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then the the scouting report had one word on it: slider. <laughs> oh yeah, there's could not hit, could not hit a breaking ball, and the knees gave out on him pretty quick, which happens with the tall guys. Once, but in a while. I would I would yeah. argue he's one of the more underrated guys in in team history he's i agree but i, I i'm just a, a personal fan of him and all of his weird crazy tattoos and <laughs> uh yeah. and, and, and he was like I, he would be way more valued i think he would have that status as being a higher fan favorite had he not been playing with the group he played with right because you had a bunch of very lovable characteristic guys that stood out yeah, he was always he was always against. like the fourth always, guy. Yeah, right. He was always overshadowed by by uh, even Ron Casey McGee overtook him in fan favoritism for a while just because he was so random and we stole him from the Cubs. <laughs> I do still need a third baseman, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it that, that Corey Hart's one of my favorites. So yeah, fine, put him in left, right. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever That's we hate spirit. you, it's uh, whatever. <laughs> Um, I'm going to take Raleigh fingers as my relief pitcher. It's a good value here. Fine yeah. choice. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he did win an MVP with the team. <laughs> Say what you want about that, but he yeah. did win one. Right. Yeah. There we go. It's, so. it, it's actually crazy how good he was with his very short stint with the Brewers in terms of both accolades and just effectiveness for that short period. Like, uh, usually uh, it, he's almost Sabathia like a little bit in that, in that way. So, I mean, it's it's always weird that he's hung up in the stadium as as one of our. I was going to say, yeah, um, because have his that, number retired after three or four years. Is a little yeah, <laughs> but um, and whatever, that's fine. But uh, he he was excellent for the team, so it's not like this is just like getting him on the back end of his career when he's a washed up loser. So, not that I got one of those coming up. So, um. <laughs> washed up losers, as we fill out the last few rounds. Not in this pick, but soon. yeah, uh, Brad, you're up. Uh, I I want third base. I want offense. So why not have a guy who I think's time was very undervalued because he played on a bad team and a Ramos Ramirez. Yeah, good pick. Good pick. He could not replace the value of Prince like he was expected to do. But in terms of coming in, being that second guy aside, Ryan Braun, he did a very good job. Uh, You know, I thought when they signed him, he was well past his prime and wasn't going to provide value. But no, he actually lived up to his career expectations for a couple seasons before really dropping off in that third. But yeah. I he mean, just fun guy uh, helped get the Cubs back for all the times he got us as a Cub. I still remember him just sailing a walk off into the road at Wrigley against us. And it hurt so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. in my car in Chicago. I could hear the stadium erupt and Bobby could go silent. it was so painful. <sighs> <laughs> I think we all remember that same exact home run. It yeah, was that was tight. that was the huge comeback too, wasn't it? The Brewers were like, up five nothing early, and then yeah. the Cubs just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and won it on that walk off. Yeah, so typical. So bad. Uh, so, all right, uh, I've been back and forth on catchers um, like the whole time we've been talking here. Um, I'm going to go with BJ. 
Um, uh, I, I like he's not a good defensive catcher. We'll throw that out there right away, which is why he didn't play catcher for very long, <laughs> especially after Milwaukee. But he was good enough, and he was a good offensive catcher for the era. Um, uh, he hit well enough. He, actually, um, in one of the weirdest home run derbies that ever happened, he was in a home run derby with um, – he was in a home run derby, by the way, <laughs> with, with, with John Jaha, also not on the Brewers anymore. Yes. Um, and I think Bernie was on the Brewers in that one. It was a weird – the Brewers had somebody too, but like it, it was all these like ex-Brewers who weren't power hitters um, in the thing. So – um, Sirhoff had, had himself a nice career, nice solid war. Um, hits well enough back there. I'll take the offense. Um, and uh, also, he, one of those guys who did disappoint a little. He was a was he number one overall or just a first round pick? Nope, he was number so, one overall. Number one overall. So he disappointed for what he was supposed to be. Um, I remember I had all those like future star and rated rookie cards, but um, you know, certainly a very solid major league career as a good offensive catcher. All right, so. I am going to go with my DH. I'm going to be the first one to grab one and because I, I need offense here. And You better not steal my guy. I'm oh, so mad if you do. Uh, Richie Saxon? Son of a... <laughs> Actually, no, so that's fine. He's going to be my first baseman. Anyway, that's fine. I yeah, yeah, I need to get that DH. I need to get that power in there. And I this is one I remember being really excited when they got him, when they made that trade with Cleveland, because I was looking for them to do what Cleveland had done with Miller Park opening and like that whole era. And we were actually a few years behind that where it it wasn't quite set to hit right at that moment. But Sexton looked like a guy that if you paired with Jenkins, who is, you know, just come up and was looking like a good young player and Burnett's that you would have. And for a few years there, that group of three guys was really pretty good. So offensively, he is a very good player. Defensively, he wasn't great, but I'm putting him at DH. So I don't have to worry about the defense at all. So (laughs) there we go. Yeah, that's one I, you know, looking back, I it's at the kind of very start of my Brewers memories. So I kind of forget just how good he was. You know, you rem- I remember him at least as like the lone good power hitter on some really, really crappy teams. Uh, but, you know, that that trade to Arizona kind of helped signify the, the start of the rebuild. I mean, that really kickstarted that next era for the Brewers. Right. So, you know, obviously not a, a fantasy draft consideration there, but it kind of plays an important role. And it. You know, he he was disappointing for Arizona after that trade, but he did put together another couple of good power years for Seattle too. So it's not like he fell totally off the cliff. After yeah, he was he was better longer than people remember. He had the same issue as Beltre when they moved to Seattle, and that park was just so offensive sapping when it started. Yeah, and just it it sapped offense, especially like right-handed power, which is why people got the impression that like Adrian Beltre was a bad player for a while, and then he reemerged, you know, in his thirties. All right. Well, now I'm left scrambling again because I, I was going Sexton with my next pick. So I think I'll probably hold off on first base for a while because I'm the only one that doesn't have one yet. Um, I'll go third base, and it may be a little recency bias, but I'll go with Moose at third base. Ooh. All right. Um... Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, there are other options there, but I, I dig power and, you know, he... Obviously, a perfectly fine player. Probably his his impact of losing him in the lineups a little overstated. Uh, it's easy to forget now that we haven't had baseball in eight months. That he used to be here, and it was a huge concern <laughs> to lose him. But I th- I think you know for for the time that he was here, provided a decent amount of power, 
uh, you know, could count on him in the middle of the lineup and was solid enough at third base. So plus I get a sweet chant out of it for my fantasy team. So we're good. All right. I've been going back and forth on two guys from my DH for a long time. And I think I finally had to pull the trigger. <sighs> but even now, I still don't know which of the two I want to pick. <laughs> Flip a coin. So I think I'd rather go with one that's a little bit more, less recent, more fun. And put Al Caballo on my team. Yes. Okay. Do it. I was wondering. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I, like I it. mean, he had one of his Super worst. Fun. In 2005, he had one of his worst offensive seasons with the team. But then in 2006, before they trade him to the Rangers, you know, he had 28 home runs before the trade deadline. Yeah. It was hitting 286, 347, 549. A monster that year. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, why he stayed in the NL and signed with the Astros after that, no one will ever know. But, you know, a super dangerous bat that should not be in the field whatsoever. Absolutely. That's <laughs> what you want in a DH. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think I need one more pitcher, if memory serves. You do. And it can be either way. Yep. So um, I, I, I believe he's still out there. The uh, I have the the all-time franchise leader in, in saves on my team already, which you know you guys probably know. Uh, so I'll take the, the second all-time leader in saves also, and John Axford. Nice. All right. Okay. Um, strike strikeouts and saves who has the second most saves also a very good strikeout guy um had three of his four seasons with era pluses over 120 one of them one of them was 202 had fips under three consistently um was i i know people always remember oh sorry he had more than four seasons i was looking at the tot when he left the team um but uh people remember expert struggles but he was basically fantastic until until he fell apart as all relievers are um and Provided great value to the team, struck guys out at a great rate, not locked on saves at a great rate. Happy to have him on the team as well. Bummer. <laughs> Does everyone have a closer then except for me? Cool. I can let that one sit for a little. Actually, all my positions are all positions that y'all already have filled. So I can really plan this out. All right. So I am going to, I need to take a, a short stop here and it's slim pickings and I'm going to do because he had one of the greatest shortstop seasons in brewer history. We had a five war season at shortstop in 2006 and had a pretty decent season in 2005 as well. Yep. Though you split some time there between other people. I'm going to take bill hall. I'm going to go with yeah. bill hall. Ooh, okay. Bill hall was third on my list. Huh? I totally forgot. about. Who did you think I was going to take Paul? I'm curious bad. now. Cause you seem surprised. I am surprised. Um, and I, I was going to go, I, I hadn't gotten well, there's still a, so one person who needs to take a shortstop. So we got to get back to this. Yeah. All right. Okay. Then I shouldn't. So yeah, he should have eligibility there. And I'm just, yeah, double. there was uh actually no hall was my fourth. So I had uh number one was Yount, Number two was Hardy. Then I had blank. Then I had hall. I'm just doing, checking out some splits here to see if maybe I'm overrating somebody, but no, I don't, I don't think so. I think that, I, okay. Tough one. Okay. Well, when we get to, when we get done with shortstop, I'll tell you who I was thinking of. Paul's actually, I think, maybe the correct choice. I, I think I'm wrong. I mean, he had so if you look at his Fangraphs war in 2006, the, the season where he really played a lot of shortstop because yeah. JJ Hardy got hurt relatively early. You had you had 19.4 offensive, 13.1 defensively. He was good. He was above average at both offensively and defensively, and 
Yeah, and then it just... He, he went from being a guy they wanted to use as a utility player and forced them to find a position for him and then ruin his career. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that center field thing will never, ever make any sense. What a debacle. Like, that was a complete debacle. <laughs> and when third base was relatively, like, open, I guess because they were trying to hold uh, it open for Ryan Braun. Uh, it was open because of uh, Koski, right? And then... Yeah. Well, Koski... In 2000, Koski was 2005. 2007, the year after he had shortstop, was the Ryan Braun rookie year. Oh, when he comes up they, were holding it. they were so holding it for with, Ryan Braun. You start it with the combination of Graffinino and Council. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was also, do you guys remember that Player X thing about Bill Hall? That, like, uh, it was a, a little column in ESPN, and so it was an anonymous player writing about a, a thing, and they said that Bill Hall, as soon as he signed his contract, like, dude was at the clubs every night and, like, mm. was not as dedicated to his craft as he had been before that, and that that was, played a role in his falling off this was a few years after this had all transpired like he was Wait, no longer money can make people point. do dumb things apparently so. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> so anyway bill hall at shortstop <laughs> and i'm really just hoping <laughs> i have to count on that 2006 season being the thing god i hate my team right. <laughs> <laughs> what a mess what did you do buddy all right at this point I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Ryan and change positions. I'm gonna move <laughs> Dave Nielsen to DH and oh, take Ted Simmons. Gracious. Ted Simmons. What are you guys? I mean, I'll allow it because that's just terrible. But um... I don't care. I'm, not... <laughs> I'm beyond. It's just what I'm is bored the mess right now? Well, once you all get D, uh, once we finish out that uh, final DH and s- spot. Yeah, no. I need to it's yell at some a, people. It's gonna be a terrible, <laughs> terrible decision and. There's no helping this situation now, so I'm just gonna keep digging. You didn't, you didn't take Jim Gantner in the fourth round or whatever. I took him in, so you still don't win the booby prize. Yeah, but for I've this. taken the equivalent of like that for the past six. So right. Ted Simmons had one really, really good year in 1980. That's fine. I don't care. It's whatever. I'm, I'm trying to talk you up. Yeah. You just talk yourself back down. Ted Simmons was an excellent catcher for a long time, just not for the Brewers. You know, I'm I'm scrolling to the B rough page now and I'm seeing the negative two point four war season and figure I may have made a mistake. <laughs> Ted Simmons, I actually anyway, had Simmons on my team before Surhoff, um, yeah, mainly uh, because of that nineteen eighty season. Yep. Yeah, that's I was going back and forth between them too. I decided on Sir Huff just because he was more, he was more of a brewer for a longer period of time. And he had better spread out success. He did. You're, you're so, trying to make me feel better. It's fine. No, my credibility shot. Nobody. I mean, it would, be, it would be better if you didn't have I'm Dave. Fired. It's fine. It would be better if you didn't have Dave Nilsson on your team already. Um, you have Listen, a lot of, a lot of on you know, sometimes team. sometimes you need to take a quarterback in the first round at, when you already have one under contract for 140 million dollars. <laughs> so uh, that's not fine. even the worst thing they did. So his name's already been yet. brought up. I need defense. He was one of the Brewers' best defensive center fielders, Mike Cameron. All right. Yeah. He's yeah. a very okay player. I'm glad he made it. That's a late round flyer I support. That's good. That's, yeah. One of the best defensive center fielders that there has been. He was outstanding out there for a long, long time. And if you yeah. look at his numbers, like he is up over 50 career war for yeah. 
uh, fan graphs because they view him as, yeah, like Paul said, one of the elite center fielders of all time. And we got him a little bit towards the end of his career, but you could see it the same way you kind of see it with Lorenzo Cain, where a, he does have good speed and he does have that ability to do that. But the jumps are just mm -hmm. like amazing. You just see him read the ball instantly and get going off the bat every time. And it's it's really something to watch. And it's something that stands up more in person with guys like that than it does necessarily come across on the TV screen because they're not focused in in the same way on that. But you'll start to see those right. guys even leaning ahead of the pitch like they know what's coming in. And so they're starting to already like, well, if this guy hits it to me, it's going to be this direction. And they're already starting to like lean a little mm -hmm. bit for me. I think Mike, yeah. Mike Cameron was always the Miller Lite 64 to Tory Hunter. Yeah, that's about right. I think of them as very similar players. Um, and I, I think that's kind of dead on. Um, also, one of the best at the fence um, at taking home runs away, too. Like, yeah, and it's, and a niche, it's a niche skill, but it's one that everybody loves. So, Absolutely. And I think he's a player, too, that was maybe like 10 years ahead of his time, right? Like, we would appreciate him much more today than maybe we did 10 years that's ago when he true. was playing. Yeah. Uh, just because I remember when, when he was on the Brewers, all you heard was incessant complaining about how he just struck out all the time and only hit 240, but... He's I mean, the, uh, he invented Untuckum, right? That's him. Yep. Yes. I would have also him. untucked we, his shirts when he got home from work yeah. to relax. We and then the Cardinals that hated because it. That's great. And it made the Cardinals mad, so we should all love Mike Cameron just for that. That's, I love the inventor of the ribbon board because the Cardinals hated it. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little bones, all that stuff. All right, yeah. Paul. All right, you so I think up. I need a second baseman and a DH. Um, so let's knock out second. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the one year wonder um, niche player and, and load up on my stolen bases and take uh, former rookie of the year Pat Listash. Nice. Um, who was great for one season, stole a ton of bases, and then beat Kenny Lofton out for rookie of the year, which is incredible still to this day. And <laughs> then was never ever ever good or even close to good again. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll take him for the peak and the. Uh, insane amount of stolen bases like, brewers always have like of the rookies of the year they have a couple that are good but they also have the scott Pudsednik and the pat Listashes together which are fun to have on your team so yeah yeah and that 92 team the brewers led baseball by leaps and bounds in terms of steals that was um phil garner's first year coming in and it actually caused in the next spring training every pitching coach in baseball getting their guys times to home down because there was going to be an off there was going to be an explosion in 1993 in terms of stolen bases if they didn't if pitchers didn't start getting their times to home down and so there was a sports illustrator article about this that there it was like the the revolution that didn't happen because of the fact that people did adjust to it ahead yep, of time broke back. but That's super interesting it's crazy yeah but they really were they had you look at some of the guys on that team john jaha double digit steals i mean they were everybody was stealing it was just everybody was was racking up stolen bases so that was part of the strategy of that team and and then it you know, didn't come to fruition and what did happen in 93 was the power explosion instead so the game went in the completely other direction yep all right this is where i have to once again go after like a one season thing and but fortunately, it's a fantastic season and it's also very, very recent. So I need a catcher and I'm going to take Yaz because he was absolutely yeah, fantastic. That's a good call. Uh, yeah. I thought about that, too. I've been Yaz Mani was second on my board. Like, but uh, Lucroy in his prime <laughs> put up way more value than Yaz. But Yaz is easily the second best catcher in franchise history to me. 
Yeah, on a per season basis, and again, yep. that's part of this deal. That's why you know Sabathia went so early and all that. Like it's part of the deal. So I feel pretty good about getting Yaz that late. I was worried. I, I figured I was okay with taking Surhoff or Yaz, so I just waited and figured I could wait that one out. So the ends of my drafts are usually better than the beginnings of my drafts, and that's playing <laughs> out here. So all right, damn it, I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> John so Jaha at first base. John Jaha. <laughs> Why not? Uh, God damn. It's fine. John Jaha is underrated. He's a, he is. He's a modern man in an old man's time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, decent power numbers. This is my favorite hitter in Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. So, you know, my team is not functional at all, but <laughs> screw it. You know, know, you have a fantastic outfield. You have Braun Gomez and Sixto. Like, that's a really damn good outfield. So... Yeah, no, eh, whatever. <laughs> Brad, you're up. So I'm going to play fantasy baseball with Paul. He wants to take John Axford, who had one of the best single closing seasons in Brewers history, 46 saves, uh, 1.54. So I'll take the next best thing and add Coco to my team. Because Francisco like Cordero put up 44 saves, had a 298 ERA, yep. a 2.24 FIP, and a 2.4 WAR. Uh, I thought about Glenn Coco too. Um, he is uh, that first season when he came over. He was one of the most hater-like guys I've ever seen. Where uh, when he threw a slider, it was unhittable. It was just a matter of him locating three of them before he walked a guy. Um, right. And right, which is you know such a dominant pitch if, in, in if you can locate it. Um, he was great. So I totally agree with that. He was next on my board for relief pitchers. So. Yeah, and I mean, even that first season when he comes over, he has the one six nine ERA that is completely on. Un- really related to how he pitched but he still found success in his season and a half with the brewers if only they would have been able to keep the guy they got for carlos lee for more than a season and a half <laughs> kevin mentioned did have one of the most epic entrances ever though so yes he did oh man something. he also had a huge head so he did he did that's like the he only did. thing i know about him is that he he was the other half of a platoon with Jeff Jenkins yep. and, he had, and a giant he head. had a huge head, thin. <laughs> <laughs> got to have your thing, right? <laughs> All right, let's wrap this puppy up. I, I, I got one left. Uh, it's DH, and I'm going to go with an actual DH who this is this is my just going with a favorite. Um, I'm taking Dave Parker. Um, he was nice. only with the team with a season for a season and a half. Um, and was a DH. Uh, he was awesome to watch. He was he was he was old and washed up by the time he was a Brewer, but he was their lone All Star um, the year he played a full season for them. Back when uh, the team was not very good, he warmed up in the on deck circle with a sledgehammer um, instead <laughs> of with the weights on the bat, which was also awesome. That by the way. is awesome. It is awesome. And other guys started doing it too after a while. And the one that always I thought was funny was Mike Felder started doing it too, um, <laughs> borrowing borrowing his sledgehammer. So. Um, Dave Parker, um, not for the Brewers, but was like a really kind of an all-time great hitter um, before he, you know, came to the to them with with the A's especially, and he had a nice season for the Brewers, N- nice enough, and was like a true DH in that he was not going to play in the field anymore. So uh, I, I will always th- think fondly of him for the sledgehammer for having a pretty good season during a pretty bad season for the Milwaukee, and I like that rounding out my team. All right, well that leaves me with a pitcher to fill out still here, and. I am going to go with uh, a guy who probably gets overlooked a little bit in his history with the Brewers, and that's uh, Chris Basio. 
he was incredibly, incredibly good uh, for kind of a brief period when he first came up and had in 1989 a 5.5 war season and really was uh, looking like a, a good development story. Struck out a lot of guys for that time period. 6.63 strikeouts in uh, 89, 1.84 uh, walks per nine. Like he is a guy who can give you bulk innings and uh, did that year 234 innings and yeah kind of a, a sneaky like underappreciated guy within Brewers history in a time period when they were kind of in transition between that 82 team and what they were hoping was going to be you know a run in the early 90s and it never quite came to be solid pick yeah I I was surprised at how highly uh, Basio ranked in in some of those categories when I was kind of building up my list too I you know he, I guess you know, not being alive for a lot of that time, I didn't really realize, but he definitely ranks high up there. Yeah, he, re- he really was uh, a good, solid pitcher for a good long time for them. So I think of him more as a Cubs coach now than I do back then, but he was fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he does have that Cubs coach addendum on the end of his career, doesn't he? Uh, accused Eric Thames of PED abuse and oh, all yeah. that stuff. So that's whatever. All right, my last pick. I still have shortstop left. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I've struck out a lot in this draft, so it only makes sense for me to make my shortstop Jose Hernandez, whatever. But he's I think he's a player that, uh, again, probably 10, 15 years ahead of his time. He had a couple of 24, 25 home run seasons with the Brewers. Easy to forget when he's striking out 185 times. Well, but he was that, a that, much better player than people remember because they remember was, that, exactly. those those strikeout races where he was going to yeah, set the all time record. And he was a good defender at short, like a, a well was. above average yeah. defender at short. And yeah. he did a decent his, job getting on base, too, for considering, you know, how many strikeouts he had. Yeah, yeah. his his 2002 uh with the Brewers, kind of his last gasp as a good player, but hit 288, 356, 478. That's the year he had That's struck really out. Good. A, he struck out 188 times, but hit 24 home runs, <laughs> 24 doubles. Like, it was an all star that year. OPS plus of 120. Like, that was a really, really good year from a shortstop. So, uh, I'll, I'll take that. I, guess. I like it as an underrated campaign. Uh, he, I feel like he also had a raw deal that season for getting benched uh, so he wouldn't set the record. And in the all star game, that was, he was one of their all stars in the tie all star game. And yeah. he was one of the last to go in. So he kept getting at bats. With, and he, I think he kept getting at bats with guys on base and just striking out. And it was like so painful to watch. Fantastic. Um, just to go back to um, a guy I thought was better than he actually was for the Brewers uh, was Jose Valentin. Yeah, yeah he was, was on my list too. too. Um, but he he was only kind of okay for them and really hit, hit a lot better once he was on the White Sox. So. That was the thing. Yeah. He was a really good defender for them, which people didn't appreciate because of the errors. He would he was a high error player. And I remember actually learning a thing about this in, from, I think, the Journal Sentinel, probably. I remember reading an article and they were talking about the fact that he gets to so many but baseballs. Like when he was young, yeah. he was a fantastic range defender. And yeah, he has some more errors and those things aren't unrelated, like more chances to make, you know, spectacular plays is going to lead to some more mistakes. Yep. But like, that's just part of the deal. He's getting to a lot more baseballs than a lot of people. And not everybody can be Ozzie Smith with both the range and the, you know, the sure handedness of it. Yeah. Also, a little surprised nobody went with Swaim. Well, um, I do still have a right field spot. (laughs) <laughs> so I could put Swaim out in right field, but <laughs> uh, 
The other one I thought was kind of a sneaky pick in terms of value was Koski at third base. He only had that half season until he gets the concussion, but he it was a really good half season. Great, yeah. I mean, we have a guy who's in the top 10 right now for Brewers' all-time position player, War, who isn't on a team. Huh. Um, I'm going to, for right field, take a lifelong Brewer that was beloved by many, and he's a little out of position here, but I'm going to put in Jeff Jenkins. He played right field quite a bit. Yeah, played uh, he, he was much better in left field, though, and he moved but, over to the right when they bumped Braun so out to left field. I disagree yeah. with that, um, and, and I think that the Brewers are wrong. Uh, he was good in right field because he had the best arm ever. He had a better arm, yeah. He had, a, he had an absolute gun, and there are great Jeff Jenkins highlights of going right field to third base and just gunning guys down that are like highlight real things that you see from some of the best armed outfielders out there. So like, I think I just with Jeff Jenkins and two, I was a much younger baseball fan in his heyday. Um, I mean, I was in middle school during his heyday. (laughs) The thing I remember with him is dives. And I feel like his routes were a little weaker in right field. So he didn't get as many of those as in left field. Um, But so maybe that's where a lot of that comes from in terms of my memory. Uh, so Ryan, I think the the person that I guess went undrafted now because we're done. Well, that was uh, Jenkins. Kef- Jenkins was the guy. Jenkins. Yeah, okay. he was he was in the top ten, and I Nobody I totally Cerillo. I totally whiffed. I should have taken him was instead on of Hart. My third base. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. I got Molitor, so I thought about it, but nope. Um. Yeah, Molitor. The only way it would make sense is if you I guess moved Molitor out to DH and put Cirillo at third because his uh, value comes in defense. But then you're wasting a lot of Molitor too. Right. right. So no. Yeah. So, well, this is a fun little exercise. And I, I also see, thought but... someone because he was a pretty good hitter would take Davis for DH. Yeah, I mean, he didn't hit his stride as a hitter until after he left. Like, he didn't have yeah, the big, yeah. you know, 40 well, home run seasons. That that 2015, uh, went, before he gets traded, he just lost a lot of playing time. He still hit 27 homers. So, no, he's not hitting 40, but he only played in like 111 games and 300 plate appearances because they're doing late defensive replacements so often and taking him out of the game. Yeah, true. I like Chris Davis, but eh, not that much. I thought in terms of value in DH and franchise history, and I mean, not to pile on, but I thought he's better than Dave Nielsen. He is. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> better than Henderson, too. But Listen, it's Dave Nielsen is totally underrated. But he's an icon in Australia. What do you want? I yes, mean, he is. He's the Babe Ruth of Australia. I was just listening to a podcast where they were uh, talking to Peter Moylan and he was being asked about like, who are your baseball heroes growing up? And he was like, well, yeah, I mean, Dave Nilsson was the guy like he was on the hitting side, like the best player by far that Australia's ever produced, though they've now produced some pitchers. So, yeah, no, screw Pete Moylan, Dave Nilsson all the way. (laughs) Yeah, 20 home run season. Come on. Nilsson was very good in those. The Brewers had a team. What was it? OPS and 96. They led. Was it ninety five? Better than they, Was it yeah. ninety five or ninety six that they led the league in runs scored? It, would, it wasn't ninety five because Cleveland, uh, obviously, yeah. Had <laughs> wasn't to, it ninety two? Was their extremely dominant offensive year? Right. They had a random year in there somewhere. I can't remember off the top of my head where they had a really good offensive team. Ninety two was the really like the team that would have been in the playoffs. 
Yes. Had it been like two years later. <laughs> yes. 92. Yeah. I mean, the Brewers, had, if you look throughout their history, there's so much of this. 87 under the current playoff format, they would have been in easily. 78, 79, they would have been in easily. Like, right. You well, know. I don't want eight teams in like on each league like Manfred does. I do appreciate four teams a lot more than two. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you've expanded well into the 20s, which they had by, you know, the mid 70s. I'm going to keep defending Dave Nielsen, okay? (laughs) He he was an all-star in 1999 before he quit admirably to go serve Australia in the Olympics. He retired so he could go play in the Olympics. Look, we all make mistakes. It's just how badly you defend your mistakes. He had a 954 OPS in 1999. I mean, that was Grandal was was on the board and you drafted Dave Nielsen as the second catcher. (laughs) I had too many current players, too many current players. I think I only have like two retro players. You take what's good. (laughs) Nah, nah, I'm going for balance here. And this is why I finished last place in every baseball fantasy league I'm in. All right. I think I have the best of the new and Paul has the best of the old. And it would be like a two halves of the franchise. Like if you split them by 25 years and had them play each other, those would be like basically the rosters you'd have facing each other to find out who has supremacy. Yeah. Paul's team is definitely the oldest or the, the furthest back. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It all, it all makes sense really. Yeah. It's all good. Well, and I mean, you also got Yount Molitor right up front, so yep. you know that that does help. That does Molitor help. was a hard one to pass on for me, but Lucroy just put up so much value in 2013 and 2014 that yeah, yeah I mean, Lucroy at the top, the drop off sense. after that was yeah, the drop off after him in terms of catching was substantial. I also didn't think I could wait until round 45 to draft Yasmani. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's, what are you uh, going to do about that short season thing? So. <laughs> yeah, when I, Dave Nielsen is there. How can how can you pass that? <laughs> a good time was had by all. A good time was had, for sure. Uh, this is a good idea, Ryan. I, I I'd be kind of interested to see how different it would have shaken out if we did snake draft or or what have you. But I yeah, still probably would have sucked. But you know, it, <laughs> I think the it's funny a good thing is on memory lane though. I don't even think your team's that bad. I just like piling on. <laughs> I think you have a oh, pretty my solid team. My team is crap. It's hot garbage. <laughs> when you look at the other lineups here, yeah, no, it's 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 not good at all. Uh, but I I think the other thing we learned here too is just how many positions don't exactly go four deep in Brewers history. Oh either. no, <laughs> not yeah, a, not at all. It gets sketchy in the middle <laughs> infield. What do you I, think is historically the weakest position for the Brewers? It's second base. I have yes. Pat Lissash on my team. Absolutely. Like second base. <laughs> second when Ricky short, Weeks been, when yeah. Ricky Weeks is your at least shortstop has a like substantially important Hall of Famer for the time period that he played. Sure. Yeah. Versus second base, Ricky Weeks is hands down the best player in franchise history. Yeah, and if you want to make an, an argument for Gantner, a lot of that is speculative eighties defensive value. It, right. I mean Gantner's most famous for not hitting a home run for like a season and a half or something like that. Like <laughs> in, um, the, in the team that only hit was famous for home runs. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that the player that I was thinking at second base that somebody was going to grab potentially was Willie Randolph because Willie Randolph did have a four win season with the Brewers. It was yes. towards the end of his career. But yeah. That would have been. Didn't hit a yeah. homer that year. Speaking of non homer second baseman. Uh I looked deep at that one. He was after Hira on my board, but he was also like 38. 
Yeah. Right? It was, yeah. It was I mean, one of his last seasons. Yeah. It's why Hira is such a defensible pick because it, it's so easy to project him being better than everybody else. It doesn't even have to be that good. Like, <laughs> right. I project him to be at least Ricky Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah, a very yeah. reasonable expectation. Yeah. Short too, though, like beyond Yount, I was seriously looking at Gene Segura because of that one four war season too. Yep. Like that's how bad that position. I is. mean VR so, too. My fourth and fifth, yeah, yeah my VR, fourth and yeah. fifth were VR and Segura. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, the true. Bill Hall season just because he had it wasn't just 2006. He also had that 2005 where he was really pretty good. That is why I'm surprised nobody went with Swam. Who? Um, he doesn't show up on lists because him and Glenn Braggs had a catastrophic collision, but he was a good shortstop and just had his career cut short. Right. You can make a good argument for Swim. So. I think the hard thing, especially for someone like me who has to look back at a lot of those teams through either box scores or, you know, videos that I'd get on YouTube is uh, you don't get a lot of the context. Yeah. So you miss out on a lot of that. And when you are talking about an era that really, aside from 87, rarely gets mentioned uh, for Dale Swaim's career in general. It's true. Right. You yeah. you don't really get to hear a lot about him. So like I know Dale Swaim as being the best repl- two-week replacement manager. <laughs> and the, Honestly, I attribute him fixing. I think he was the hitting coach that fixed Ricky Weeks. Well, yeah, and then uh, actually Willie Randolph, the aforementioned, was the guy who got a lot of credit for working with him on defense and making him a better defender. And for the that uh, prime that he had, that belated kind of short prime that he had in 2009 to 2011, he was actually a solid defender in that time period after working with Randolph. And yet they still Randolph. replaced him with Ray Durham. Oh, well, yeah, in 2008, because he, he really struggled. Him and, him and Hart were both really yep. in bad ways with uh, that outside, that low and away slider. You could just get mm-hmm. them that way. Mm-hmm. All right, so what we're going to do with this draft is we're going to kind of recap all of our rosters here. If you had trouble following along, don't worry. We'll write them all down. We'll put them up on our Twitter account, and we're actually going to have a poll, and you guys can help vote and decide who has the best team. I know for a fact I'm not going to be it, but you know we'll we'll have that competition and uh, give you guys a voice too, and, and feel free to chime in absolutely, uh, whether it's on Twitter, on Patreon, what have you. Uh, speaking of Patreon, we do have a number of new patrons this week. Uh, Ryan, you want to give those folks a shout out right now? Yeah. So welcome and thank you to uh, Jacob Sikelski, uh Elizabeth Shaw. Shaw? Well, how would you say that? Uh, Shaw, maybe it might just S-A- be Shaw. Yeah, yeah. S C H A E W E. Sorry, sorry for butchering that, Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> and then to uh, uh, Oslatam, I think is what we're going with here. That was a uh, that was a different one. So Oslatam, it's Metallica spelled backwards. So <laughs> he is uh, supporting us at this point. I think. I mean, the the profile pic is a guy, so I think we can say that it's a guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you to you for, uh, for stepping up and doing that. We do appreciate it. Yeah. You know, we say when you become a patron, you get a shout out on the podcast. We can't always guarantee we'll get your name right, but we're going to try. So sorry to Elizabeth and anybody else whose names we butcher as somebody who has a name that is frequently butchered. I can sympathize. Uh, while we're at it, we also want to give you guys an update on something that we kind of introduced last week. You know, we wanted to do something good to help folks out during this time. So we 
announced that we're going to kind of do this match program, if you will, for uh, food bank donations. So basically up up to uh, $500, oh, we're going to match donations to your area food bank. All you have to do is send us a proof of your donation, basically a receipt or what have you, uh, and we'll issue that match to that as well. So Ryan, do you want to give us an update on where we stand as of today? Yeah, so we had a couple late-breaking donations that came in this morning, and we are now at 275 of our $500 goal. And like I said, we will match uh, the $500. We'll give it – It's we're not going to match individually by food bank. It's all going to be to Hunger Task Force in Milwaukee. But uh, so far, all the donations that have come in have been to Hunger Task Force. So – we will we will match that uh, once we get up to that $500 number. So we're getting closer. Again, I understand it's a tough time and not everybody has the ability to do it. But if you do, there are a lot of people in need and your donation would be greatly appreciated. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks to the folks who have donated already. And as Ryan said, you know, it, it doesn't have to be the Hunger Task Force in Milwaukee that you donate to. You can donate and please do donate to your own uh you know, if you're in Madison, La Crosse, Eau Claire, wherever you may be listening to this, uh, you can donate to your own local food bank. Just send us basically the proof of the donation, and then uh, that's good enough. And we would thank you for that, absolutely. So thanks to the folks who have given already. As Ryan said, you know, times are tough right now. We totally understand if, if you're not able to, but, you know, even if it's a small donation, everything helps to anybody in need right now. So we, we thank you for even considering that. Uh, and if you also haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. While you're there, please do leave us a review and help other people find the podcast. In the meantime, Stay well, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.